What's up, everybody? Welcome to Press YYZ for January 29th, 2020. This is your one-stop shop where we bring you all the big video game news and shenanigans straight from the T.6, the 416 Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Mitch George, joined today by the man with his head in the clouds, A.J. Frazier. How what? Oh, did we, are we starting? G- yeah. Oh. Ooh. We're off to a great start. All right. Uh, we've got our resident film baby, Alex Ballant. Hello, everybody. We've got the French connection, Alexander Cozy Cozina. Bonjour. And we've got bad boy for life, Nathan McKinnerney. Ahoy hoy. So, how's everyone's week been? I know we're recording a little earlier in the week than we usually do, so not as much time's passed, but like, what's everyone been up to? I've been busy. I've been busy working a lot of projects. Uh, I have not gotten much time to play or see much at all, except I got a chance to play a bit more of Picross Kimono Animal Friends for the Nintendo Switch. It's um, it's Picross, and it's based around the anime Kimono Animal Friends. I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what that is. Can you explain it just a little bit? Okay, so first off, do you know Picross? Let's start there. No. It's like a puzzle game, basically... It's hard to describe uh, here on a podcast, but basically you have a bunch of numbers vertically, you have a bunch of numbers horizontally, right. and based on that, you have to figure out within this grid what spaces you've got to fill in and what spaces to not fill in. It's kind of like a Minesweeper adjacent, I guess. I'd say like almost like Minesweeper meets Sudoku meets some sort of like okay. pu- like picture puzzle. I don't know. It, it's a blast. Yeah, it's not... And it's also, it, it sounds complicated when you describe it as like okay. Minesweeper meets Sudoku, but it's actually pretty, pretty simple. Uh, and the other part of it, Kimono Animal Friends, yeah. is an anime that, um, all right, this is a super long story. I'm going to try to make it super short. Basically, uh, it was originally a mobile game. The mobile game bombed, uh, and then it got turned into an anime. Everybody expected that the anime was going to bomb because its animation looked horrible, but then it came out, and its heart and message won the anime community over, and everybody fell in love with it. I didn't love it as much, but I sat through all 12 episodes, so that says something. And um, I was like, well, you know, I would rather play this like anime-themed Sudoku than just like the, I don't know, Hey, it's sea-themed Sudoku. It's construction-themed Sudoku, so I purchased that. That's cool, man. So, AJ, what have you been up to? Um, you know, not a whole lot, like usual, but I've actually picked up Smash and kind of fallen back into it a little bit. Um, yes. With the uh, new DLC. Who's your main? Uh, my main right now, I'm currently maining Wario. Um, I, oh, okay. I did pretty, got pretty decent with uh, Banjo for a little bit. Uh, and I really, I really want to get kind of good with like, like an Ike. I think Ike, Ike's pretty fun myself, uh, for me personally. But um, uh, yeah, the new character came out uh, this week, Violet, uh, another Fire Emblem character. And as it stands right now, it seems like everybody just wants to stand at the edge of a stage and shoot arrows at each other. Yeah, I know you and I hopped into a few games of Smash last night in anticipation of the DLC, and we're just constantly getting our asses handed to us on a silver platter. Oh, we got our teeth kicked in real bad. It was not fun. Um, I have not had a chance yet to check out Byleth, um, but the way that people have described it is that he slash her is like pretty standard compared to the other four DLC fighters. 
like she isn't as she's more kind of straight fire uh, forward in terms of her moveset it isn't as gimmicky in the way that say characters like joker or banjo kazooie are would you say that that's accurate inaccurate yeah there, there's le- less of a, a gimmick i guess in 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 that regard but like um and and obviously the you know it's not as obnoxious as like the hero players who can basically just stand back and choose their most powerful attack at any point the the dynamics specifically with Byleth are like your your side bees your side specials will um do your your polearm thing I, I think an up b uses your sword which is almost like ivy sword from uh pokemon trainer is it uh soul caliber soul caliber oh ivy not Ivysaur, <laughs> Ivy's sword. You need to yeah. enunciate. Enunciate. Yeah, yes. I, so I, I um, got to play the character a little bit today. We play a lot of Smash at work, and that up you recovery from offstage is just absolutely broken. Like, it's bad. Like, good, like bad broken? <laughs> no, like broken, opinion? like good luck knocking someone off a stage when they can recover from essentially off screen below the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Okay. There's a few things about this character that, that break the game, at least the way I play. It, but to Cozy's point, it does feel a lot like other yeah. characters. Like it does, the, the character is very reminiscent of other Fire Emblem characters. I do feel a lot of similarities in terms of speed and movement to Ike. But the variety of the attacks is actually a lot of fun to, to mess around with a little bit. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel bad to play by any means. That's awesome. Balant, what's up? What you been doing? Okay, so I've got sort of two things of note. Um, one is because of being in school, it's really hard for me to find time to play video games, except for I'm forgetting the fact that I own a Nintendo Switch. So I've decided I'm gonna go through all of the games that I've decided that I've purchased in the past on it and actually play them to completion. So right now, the first game on that list is I'm playing through Hollow Knight. Uh, which is a Metroidvania-style game uh, with a really, really beautiful art style, and it's just a lot of fun right now. I think the in-game timer cool. says I'm about seven hours in, so I'm only uh, at this point I'm still just trying to replay through what I played through before, just because I didn't want to pick up where I left off. And it's just a lot of fun. It's quite just atmospheric, and it's just a lot of fun. And as I've said that a couple of times, um, but just as somebody who isn't really um, familiar with Metroidvania games, just I've never really played uh, Symphony of the Night or Super Metroid, um, it's a whole kind of new genre for me, and so I'm just, I'm really taking it all in. It's really great. So if that's something that interests you, a, a Metroidvania game that I really, really loved over the last few years were the two Guacamelee games. If you haven't given those a shot and you're you're itching for another Metroidvania, that one is probably, for me, at the top of the list of recommendations. Um, I just want to say that uh, one thing about Guacamelee is that they are Toronto-based. Uh, so, you know, support your local game developers. Drinkbox Studios has put out a ton of great games over the last few years, and Guacamelee, for me, is probably at the top of that list. That's fantastic to hear. Uh, I guess I'll quickly go through the other thing. Uh, as being a pretentious film student, I have to watch uh, exceptional cinema, and as all of us kind of funny fans know, right now they're doing the DC Cinematic Universe in review, so because of that, I decided to watch the Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut. And oh, what a picture. That, uh, release the Snyder Cut. 
it's a real brisk three-hour film that ultimate edition Whew, just oh flew my by. god yeah pure unadulterated cinema it's it's probably the most beautiful looking movie that constantly at every turn pisses me off i hate almost every decision in it but except for there are a few that are like really kind of nice and like if left to somebody else i feel like we would have gotten a really interesting movie out of it instead we got well batman v superman so yeah yeah i feel like the one line that always i always remember is when you've got batman and superman and it's like oh did you is she with you no i thought she was with you just that banter back and forth you can really see the characters come through when it comes to them trying to figure out who the hell wonder woman is Mm -hmm. and then you look at another part of that movie like the whole fight between batman and superman didn't have to happen yeah if he goes to the start of that fight says lex luther kidnapped my mom let's save her and fuck him up there you go but they needed a reason for that fight to happen we could talk for hours about that movie just like uh, I know we're we're plugging someone else's content, but you go check out Kind of Funny's in review of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition that clocked in at I think is... three hours and fifty three minutes. Yeah, I'm halfway through it right now. But it's it's a it's a lot. It was. It's so far is. It's just hilarious. Yeah, it's good content for sure. Uh, Nathan, I know we've more or less touched on everyone else. So, what you been up to? So, um. I had to focus on uh, Pillars of Eternity 2 for review, which is a nice 40 to 70 hours uh, that I put closer to 70 hours in for my review on it. Uh, very great old school um, CRPG like Baldur's Gate, uh, but really with new school mechanics. Um, and they've done a great Gross. job porting it uh, to console in terms of the controller, moving from mouse and keyboard to controller. So I'm pretty happy with it. Um, so yeah, so that's fun. But then I've also been jumping into the Dreamiverse. I figure Dreams is coming out of early access soon, um, and I'd like to get a little more time in with the creations. And I'm blown away by what people I believe are that's there. February 14th, right? That's uh, that's coming out of, out yeah. of beta. Yes. yes, I can't wait for like the media molecule levels and for it to be the official full version of the game. But some of the stuff people are making on there, I'm like, I can't wait till like a year from now when people have more use of this it's gonna be a pretty crowded weekend between dreams coming out the uh cinematic masterpiece that will be the sonic the hedgehog movie it's just gonna be a great weekend for gamers worldwide rise up we also have to figure out how we can all go see that movie together because it would be yes hilarity cozy will skype you in don't worry well yeah we'll, we'll have to figure something out but you'll have to make sure that you don't get thrown out of the <laughs> movie theater that is also true but i feel like if we go to a theater and we're the only three people in that theater the three of us who are based in toronto i think we'd get a pass yes. <laughs> yeah we'll have to see you can uh, record live commentary during the movie in the theater it may honestly be better content than the movie but we'll have to wait and see can't wait going day one my son really wants to go see it so we'll see how that turns out I was gonna say I've already I've already got plans that weekend, so for me it's gonna have to wait until either the following week or the following weekend. So that's kind of disappointing. I can't get spoiled of that movie before I go and see it. That's just ridiculous. It's Valentine's Day weekend. What are you gonna do? Um, take all your women to the sexy Sonic movie. No. Uh, so for yeah. Christmas, I bought my fiance Leafs tickets, and those tickets are for a game in Ottawa because it is less expensive to to road trip to Ottawa to see a game than it is to just buy tickets in Toronto proper. 
So we're going to be up your way, Cozy, uh, in Ottawa, Valentine's Day weekend for uh, for a Leafs game. Is this the appropriate time to say Boo Leafs? This is a Toronto podcast. You can't say that ever. Boo Leafs. <laughs> it was nice having you while we could. First and only. Uh, yeah, so let me just touch on a couple of things I've been into this week before we move on. So uh, I'm going to be old as of tomorrow. And we went out last weekend to celebrate my birthday a little early, a few friends. So we actually hit up uh, Storm Crow Manor in Toronto. Oh. And, and for those who aren't familiar, it is a, a very nerd-themed wow. bar with very interesting food options. Lots of expensive, yet interesting alcoholic beverage options. Uh, so that was fun. Did some infinity shots. <laughs> You have to explain what those are. Okay, so the Infinity... Essentially, it's just six vodka-based shots. Pretty standard. But they come out on this tray. So they put a a piece of dry ice in each one. So it fizzes up and it looks neat. But they put it on a tray that comes out with each space lighting up as the different Infinity Stones. From uh, Marvel's Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, cool. Never... And... And... Yeah. Like, the entire world. Um... And the they play Thanos's speech from uh, Infinity War over the speaker and walk the thing around the entire floor to be like, look who's getting this, and then they drop it off your table and everyone does shots and is very happy. So that was fun. We also ordered a. What hmm. did you get to eat there? What did you get to eat? So that was I was gonna get there. So oh, perfect. I ordered the dungeon burger, and what oh, that I did the same thing. What that is is you're rolling a d twenty. And that decides what you're ordering, what you're putting on the plate, like what you're putting on your burger, the toppings, the meat, the the bun, all that stuff. Uh, and I actually did roll one crit, and unfortunately that was for my bun. So I got choice of bun, and the rest of it was very random. I mean, my friends gave me a pass because I rolled chicken three or four <laughs> times in a row. And for those who are not aware, hmm. I'm actually allergic to poultry. Oh, wow. And we didn't want that to end no. poorly, so I was allowed to re-roll the meat, thank God. But I ended up with a, a hamburger on a baguette with tortilla chips, lettuce, pickles, mm. garlic aioli, ketchup, and something else that I'm forgetting. But it was it was an experience eating a burger on a baguette, that was for sure. Did they let you keep the dye? No, they didn't let you keep the dye, which would have been nice because I have been playing D&D. They let, they let me keep it. I mean, they I could have asked, but it. I already have D20 for when I play D&D anyway, so I wasn't super concerned. Yeah, that's true. I was just going to say, that, that that actually does not sound that bad at all. However, I do take issue with the fact that it's called a dungeon burger. Like, I feel like, why not call it a Dungeons & Dragons burger or a D20 burger? D20 makes sense. Dungeons & Dragons is a little long for a menu, so I'm sure when they were printing it up, it probably just didn't align right or just didn't look good alongside the other menu items. Yeah. Keep in mind, mm-hmm. you're also, as you're rolling to choose these things, you are given literally a character sheet for this burger, and you are ticking off the menu items as you roll. And you get to name it at the top. So my buddy that I was there with also got the dungeon burger, so cool. and he rolled for fried chicken. So his burger's name was Mitch's <laughs> Demise, which I really did not appreciate at the time. After a few more alcoholic beverages, I did. But um, and then we also ordered the Darth. There's a, a the dark side, which is a, a a shareable punch bowl that is served in a Darth Vader helmet that they bring out to the Imperial March, which was fun. And we also did mystery shots, where you roll a d20 for a shot. 
And your boy rolled a crit. He rolled a 20, so I got to keep my shot glass. My shot didn't taste like ass, I had unlike my friend, who rolled a 1 and had to drink a shot that was a misc, uh, mix of tequila and Tabasco. And that smelt mm. as bad as you think it does. Uh, and then from the from a gaming perspective, they all came back after. We played a lot of Jackbox. We played um, some Towerfall. Played some Killer Queen Black, which was fun now that they have the local offline mode. And in my own time, I actually got to the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX demo. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed this game when it first came out. 15 mm -hmm. or so years ago on the DS and GBA, so I thought I'd give the demo a shot. And I thought for some fun and games, we could play Who's That Pokemon? So for those of you unaware, in this game, you take a bit of a personality test, and based mm -hmm. on your responses, you are randomly assigned a Pokemon. So the Pokemon that you could be assigned are any of the starters from the first three Pokemon generations, as well as Pikachu, Meowth, Psyduck, Machop, Cubone, Eevee and Skitty. So out of those options, so the nine starters and those that I just read off, I just wanted to see if hmm. you guys could guess what Pokemon I ended up as after I did the whole personality test. What kind of Pokemon do I do you think I resemble? Jigglypuff. That wasn't an option. Keep going. Skitty. All right, Cozy saying Skitty. All right, who wants? Who else wants to take a, a guess at uh, what Pokemon I am? I'm gonna guess Cubone. Cubone, interesting choice. And now, why would you say that? Is it because I'm lonely and keep to myself? Sure. Why not? <laughs> that was just the only one that I remembered you actually said. I'm sorry. Okay. So, to repeat, it is the Gen 1 starters. Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle. Right. Pikachu, Meowth, Psyduck, Machop, Cubone, Eevee. Mm -hmm. The Gen 2 starters, Chikorita, Cyntaquil, Totodile, the Gen 3 starters, Trico, Torchic, and Mudkip. And finally, Skitty. Oh, then I choose Psyduck. You think I'm a Psyduck? Okay. Yeah. All right. AJ, what are you thinking? You know, I've heard you like Mudkips. The whole internet likes Mudkips. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, Totodile. You think Totodile? All right. Okay, Nathan, Jigglypuff wasn't an option, so what's it going to be? Uh, I'm going to say Squirtle. Okay. Uh, because you probably like to squirt. Hot. Ir ir irregardless of that fact, so hot. AJ, you probably should have stuck to your first <laughs> guess. Because after all this, and the, I would actually recommend you guys just even just for fun, go click through the demo because it's the, the art style is great. This little personality quiz is fun, but mm -hmm. ultimately, I ended up as a mudkip. You should have stuck to your first guess, AJ. Should have. I could have won again. You didn't win. We discussed this. I'm hosting this I week because one. I won last <laughs> week. This is my right as the winner, and you're not going to enjoy tonight. Nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Nobody even listened to the first episode. Perfect. I will explain it when we get there. But before we do get there, we got to talk about the news. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is a bit about the... So GDC released their State of the Game Industry report uh, last week. And there's a lot of really interesting information in there. I recommend anyone go pick it up. Anyone can download it if they want, read through some of the trends that uh, developers are thinking about and where the future of the games industry looks to be going. But an interesting article I did find was from Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz 
titled Developers Are Divided on How Subscription Services Will Affect Game Values. So I really recommend go over there, give the article a click, but I'm, it's relatively short. I'm just going to read through it real quick. So how will video game services, subscription services affect the value of games? Developers are, at least for now, divided on the issue. GDC has released its annual State of the Industry survey of 4,000 developers, over one-fourth of which were concerned such models would devalue games. But another fourth weren't worried at all. 28% acknowledged subscriptions might devalue games, and 18% said they don't know. I feel the free-to-play ad-based strategy is driving the mobile market into a crappy one full of clickbaity small experiences, said one respondent. A fixed price for a huge list of free games to play might be a good way to give the video game art form some freedom back. So we can make good experiences that don't need to last more than it asks for just to make more money, engage, retain, monetize, and so on. Another developer commented, the payback rates for most content creators and subscription-based models cannot justify the cost to make the products subscribers use. This is true in every medium that has taken this approach in the last decade. Music artists do not make enough from Spotify, etc., to finance the production of future music, even the top-tier artists. Why would games be different? Unless the lion's share of revenue from a subscription service goes to, a game, goes to the game creators, it's untenable in the long term. And even if the bulk of revenue diverts to the creators, it will still create a situation where large AAA studios able to create blockbuster-style hype will end up succeeding, while indies will receive even less than they already do. Uncertainty may be one of the reasons why so few developers are, at least for now, using such a model to monetize. 8% of those surveyed said that the game they were currently making would be part of an offering like Apple Arcade or Xbox Game Pass. 6% said they used a subscription specific to their game, such as the World of Warcraft subscription model. Far more popular are more time-tested models, with 43% working on a free-to-download title and 45% making a pay-to-download game. Interestingly, while 22% said they had paid in-game currency and 22% said they had paid in-game items, only 8% are using loot boxes. So I just wanted to get a feel of what you guys are thinking. I know, AJ, you reached out to a friend of yours who's actually developing a game. I don't know if you want to talk a bit about what he spoke to you about this subscription-based model for games. Yeah, so I actually spoke to him about this very issue, like, back in the summer back when e3 was just happening back when like the stadia the stadia specifically when everybody thought it was going to be like a game pass subscription service what was first announced and everything right um and so i was talking to him and he brought up a very very valid point um and i just i just wanted to read it here for you music subscription services have gotten to a point where indie bands don't make any money off their songs sure drake gets hella played but if you're an indie musician, you're only surviving off concert ticket sales and related merch. If streaming does the same for indie game devs, where Madden still gets hella money, but the rest of us see breadcrumbs, what's the gaming equivalent to a concert? I hope folks have a good answer for this, but I'm scared nobody at the top is even thinking of us indie plebs. So he's currently making a, a, a game with a, a group of uh, friends. They're all ex-Visceral uh, developers. Um, a, a little game called Airborne Kingdom. And, you know, these are, like, real concerns um, for them. Like, just re more, more recently, um, just in the, the fall, early winter, they announced that they were going uh, Epic Game Store exclusive. Um... And it didn't 
get met with like the same amount of backlash as you know that you've heard from other developers but it's also not like a big triple a well-known studio that's putting the game out so i think that probably lends some reasoning behind why there wasn't that backlash as opposed to games like metro there have been indie game backlashes. There, there was one that got real, real vi- what, violent. Ooblets. At one point. Yeah, Ooblets, that was it. Yes, that's what it was called. That was one of the... F- I think that was more so because didn't they promise on Kickstarter that it would be available for Steam? And that was where some of the backlash came from. Like it was partially funded via Kickstarter and then they reneged on that promise. Right. If I remember correctly. I'll, I'll fact check myself. You continue, AJ. Well, yeah. Um, so the reason they, they decided to take this uh, Epic Game Store deal... And I realize it's a little bit of a divergence from the main topic here, but Epic basically just said, hey, finish your game and you won't have to worry about making enough money to pay for it. So they're they're just funding the game start to finish, paying them like good living wages, almost as like a, a like a contractor um, just to specifically put this game on the service. So anyone else have anything they want to... Because I know we talk a lot about how these subscription models are great for the consumer, that Apple Arcade is something that I've paid for since it launched just because it's such a low barrier to entry, but the experiences I've played through have been fun. I didn't even get to mention the fact that um, earlier today, while I was sitting on the toilet, I was playing through a game called Butter Royale, which is a 32-player twin-stick battle royale, which was a lot of fun. And it's just, it's an Apple Arcade game. So I just, I have access to it if I want to play it. And a lot of people talk about how great uh, Xbox Game Pass is for the consumer. But I think there's, it, there's a time to step back and, and look at, is this affecting the way people are going to be able to deliver the experiences we come to really love when it comes to playing video games? So I think subscription services are probably good. And let's be honest, that's the way the world's heading. I pay subscription services for YouTube. I pay subscription services for Netflix. I pay subscription services for music through Google Music. So that's the way it's heading. But I think what needs to happen is we need to find a better way to monetize it for the people who are putting their content in there so the content creators can keep putting their stuff out. I'm actually pro Epic Game Store um, exclusives if the developers are getting paid. And I think that's not a bad concept. I know some people hate that and they hate having to click an extra icon, but... If the if the developers are getting paid, I'm pro that. I, I agree with so. you there. Where it a, a more diverse marketplace in terms of where games can be purchased is only going to be a benefit to both consumers and developers who might not have gotten the recognition, whether it be warranted or unwarranted, for their game. Like in the case of Ooblets, they probably didn't want some of this toxicity that was directed their way when they made this announcement. But there 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 are other developers like. Um, Who's the developer behind Hades that they went Epic Store exclusive and the there wasn't as much of a, a negative reaction to that. So it's like there's good. That's super giant. That right? is a super giant game. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a place yeah. where we need to try to find a way for these people to not have their entire livelihood threatened. And this Internet bad thing, um, I think we just need to be nicer to each other. We're, we're all human beings. There's no reason to get mad at a company for a business. Well, I mean, you can rightfully make light of a business decision that a company makes, but ultimately don't like, there's no reason for harassment. I know the internet is full of it. I know when this goes live, uh, we're going to start experiencing it personally, but ultimately like just, just be nicer to each other. 
I agree. And I also think that indie game developers should probably take a cue from bands and start writing concerts to earn extra money. For now, I think that there's another news story uh, that you have prepared that I'm very interested to talk about. You and I are going to have fun with this one. I'm just going to mute my mic now. Yeah, probably a good call. Go If you need to use the bathroom, if you're not invested in this at all, please check out while we have our 15 to 20 minute Pokemon chat because earlier this week... Yeah, I'll see you guys in 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, if you like Cozy and me, go nuts with it, maybe. No, I, I think we'll keep it to like eight minutes. <laughs> sure. So earlier this week, the Pokemon company sort of re- revealed more details around the Pokemon Home Cloud service that will be coming in February. So I pulled most of this information from three sources, gamesindustry.biz from James Batchelor is a nice write-up. The first tweet I saw about it was Wario64, so go check out his his content. And then a lot of the consolidated info coming from Sarabee.net, which is a very long, long-living, beloved, at least for me, source of Pokemon goodness. So Pokemon, the Pokemon companies detailed the pricing structure and launch plans for its cloud service Pokemon Home. The system will allow players to store their Pokemon online and transfer them between various entries in the series that they own. Uh, they'll also be able to trade with other players via their Switch or the mobile app, which I think was new info here, that there will be both a Switch app and a mobile app for the service. And to begin with, Pokemon Home will only support Sword Shield in the 2018 Let's Go games, but will also be able to connect to the Pokemon Bank service, which stores Pokemon from the 3DS games. Pokemon Go support is also in the works, but won't be there for day one. Players will not be able to transfer Sword and Shield Pokemon into older games, nor will a monster transferred from an older game that has been moved into Sword and Shield be allowed to move back. The service will have a free-to-use tier, but a premium plan subscription is also available for fans who want extra functions, such as being able to access Pokemon Bank. Premium subscribers will be able to store up to 6,000 Pokemon as opposed to the standard 30 in the free plan, trade 10 Pokemon at a time using the Wonder Box functionality as opposed to 3 on the free tier, host room trades instead of just participating in them, and using a judge function, which is essentially an IV checker, that tells them how strong their Pokemon are. So this, the, there's also some details on the pricing, but that's still a little up in the air, and I don't think any pricing for Canada has been revealed, so I'm just going to skip over that for now. But it does appear like the mobile app and the Switch app have different mm. pricing options, but it, we, we still don't know whether or not that account carries between the two or if you need a subscription on both. I know a bunch of sources have reached out for clarification from the Pokemon company and as of recording haven't gotten any. And as I mentioned, Pokemon Go will be launch or Pokemon Home, sorry, will be launching in February 2020. So, Cozy, uh, you and I are the resident Pokemaniacs of this podcast. Nathan, I know you played through these games, the most recent games with your with either one or both of your sons. So, what do, what do we think about this news around Pokemon Home? I mean, uh, first off, I'm glad that we went through this uh, news story because I first uh, heard about it all on Kind of Funny Games Daily, and they were saying there that it the free version of Pokemon Home would allow you to store up to 30 Pokemon, and then that the premium would allow you to store up to 60. And I was like, 60 feels incredibly low for... 6,000. Right, well, that, they, they said <laughs> 60 on their show. That's what I'm saying. Or at least yeah. I, I I think that they said sixty, and when you just said right now six thousand, I'm like okay, that makes a lot more sense. So that's more akin to the storage limits we saw with Pokemon Bank on the 3ds, right. I believe. I don't remember what the maximum was there, but it was somewhere 
up there. Mm. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, you mentioned how uh, this will allow us to transfer over stuff like, you know, the Megas and whatnot. Like, I'm interested to see what that means for the meta of the Pokemon games going forward, because it seems like they were ready to kind of, like, leave uh, all that stuff by the wayside. Uh, and overall, I, like, I think it's perfectly fine. Um, you know, of course, it's impossible for anything Pokemon nowadays, excluding Mystery Dungeon, to not be embroiled in um, you know controversy as a result of the recent stuff uh, surrounding uh, Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield um, but yeah I, I think that it's fine for what it is. Yeah I think a lot of that comes from uh, I think a lot of people are drawing comparisons to the existing service Pokemon Bank on the 3DS which if I remember mm. correctly is 5 US dollars per year Whereas for Pokemon Home, we're looking at upwards of $15 a year, which for most working adults is, it, whatever, it's another coffee a month that I'm not going to buy that'll let me enjoy this game to its fullest, allow me to bring forward everything that I've had from previous games, consolidate things in one nice uniform place. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm cautiously optimistic right now. But Nathan, as someone with with younger ones who enjoy these games, what do you think about the the idea of more paid services to play with all your Pokemans? So I want to set my expectations up right here for the listeners. I'm a Pokemon master. I completed the gym, and I'm officially a master. So my opinion carries a lot of weight here. But number one, why can't Pokemon Bake just be Pokemon Home and they just change the service? Uh, I mean, I'd imagine that it's the kind of thing where they probably assess the situation and they're like, well, it's easier for us to just start from scratch than to try and take this kind of old husk and, you know, uh, get it up and running in a kind of modern service. Yeah, I know we've talked about this offline, but as like my day to day is in software development and a lot of times rather than trying to mm -hmm. force a square peg into a round hole in terms of trying to maintain a, a more legacy service. It's a lot easier to say, okay, we're going to build this new thing from the ground up, have a way to connect between the two, but ultimately decommission the old one. And it sounds like since they're, they're moving this platform from okay. 3DS, which give it two or three more years probably, and there will be zero support for that system from Nintendo officially, to somewhere like mobile where regardless of... like phones are going to be ubiquitous and they have been for the last decade so to have it be a mobile platform that also has an app for the switch all it means is for future consoles create a new wrapper around these services for that console but have it plug into the same back-end services where your pokemon are going to live whether it be on mobile or on whatever console you're trying to to play with them on essentially at least that's how i'm looking at it so so, okay, so you, you asked this is my opinion as a parent, because right now I've got Sword and Shield on my Switch. I have a son who wants to get both expansion packs uh, for both of those games. <laughs> and now he wants Pokemon Home Service. Um, I, I'm kind of, and don't get me wrong, I know Pokemon is the Pokemon company, it's not Nintendo directly, but Nintendo is kind of starting to bother me with the subscription services they're going through between their mobile, their on like their bare bones online, which like don't get me wrong, it's nineteen US dollars American, but the service almost costs the same amount as a year of Nintendo online service. It would be nice if they like they're mm -hmm. making money hand over fist in Pokemon. They're gonna continue making money if they continue to do stuff like this. But it'd be nice to see a, like you know what? It's just included now. 
everybody's got internet. There's no reason we have to put this behind a paywall and just build it into the game. I, I give them a... I mean, I do agree with your points there. I would argue that since it is the Pokemon company and it is Game Freak, they're not the lar I mean, they've got Pokemon money behind them, which should mean they can basically do whatever they want, but they're still ultimately, at the end of the day, a relatively small studio. So for them to dedicate resources, whether it be something that's being built internally at Game Freak, something that the Pokemon company has sourced out that requires Game Freak to work closely with whoever they've contracted that work to, there's a lot There's a lot of effort that's going to go into making this service work and ultimately maintaining it over time. If this is going to be a long-running service, you need to keep things up-to-date, bug-fixing, uh, new, like, Honestly, as someone who has dabbled in mobile app development in the past, debugging an app on Android is a fucking nightmare because there's so many different SKUs, so many different models, so many different process. Like there's the variety of, of product on, on the Android platform is just ridiculous to test, test for. So, and this mm -hmm. is something that's new to whomever is building this, whether it's internal at Game Freak or it's something external and they're, collaborating very closely with Game Freak for the interactivity between uh, like you're, you're basically bridging a gap from essentially you could take Pokemon that have been in these games since the GBA days that you've transferred over into DS games into 3DS games Pokemon from the virtual console games that came out on the 3DS so you're having to interface between all these things into bank and then bank into home and then home into let's go home into sword and shield and then home into whatever they're planning down the road because you know they're going to try to future proof whatever the next pokemon thing is so i give them the benefit of the doubt it it sucks seeing them increase the price i was hoping it was going to stay a little closer to what they charge for pokemon bank but it's not also not something you have to always have i'm i'm interested to see what happens because i know with pokemon bank if you let your subscription lapse for a certain amount of time, they didn't guarantee the Pokemon you had there would be there if you resubscribed. Maybe this is a case mm. where if you only need it for a month to get everything in there, and then the next time you need to access more than 30 Pokemon, you just resubscribe and do something with it, then maybe that's a solution. Like we don't know all the details until the thing actually comes out and we can mess around with it a bit. I know I'm looking forward to it, but I'm hoping it's not too anti-consumer. All right, with that, I'm going to move on to our next section of the show, which I'm calling, because I'm hosting, Read All the Things. So there's a couple of longer, well-written articles that I thought I'd recommend to the viewers out or the listeners out there and to you gentlemen. And the first is, for, again, Rebecca Valentine, second time on the show from GameIndustry.biz, writing up about the magic and chaos of Super Mash, a game with seven different genres. So this is a game that was announced back at the last uh, Nintendo Indie World presentation where you basically take two genres, mash them together, and then you play a, like essentially a small version of those two genres mashed into a single game, which I thought was super cool. Uh, and I actually didn't know that this was coming from former devs of the studio that made Scribblenauts. So the concept makes a lot of sense knowing that background. So I just thought I'd, mm. I'd throw this in here and say, check this out, read through it. It's a really interesting interview with a couple of the devs. And the second, yeah, and the second being uh, from PC Gamer written by Luke Winky, that big studios can't hide crunch anymore, so they just admit to it. And I know as a group we've talked extensively about crunch, and this puts a different 
lens on it, and it's sort of what we're seeing the industry do. Sounds super cool. In terms of just admitting to crunch and and admitting that it's going to happen, and they're going to try to minimize it. But just thought I'd throw that in there because it's also a very very interesting read. Hmm. I, I have to say, I give you uh, credit for coming up with uh, two articles that I would have not have thought to look into. That didn't really kind of pop on my radar. So good on you for that. I'm glad I can uh, inform without taking up too much of y'all's time. So let's move on to our next segment. It's raining deals. Here's where we're going to run through as a team some of the biggest deals that have been announced or rumored or are available now for whatever platforms we all care about. So the first being that we've got, well, I mean, all of these are, we've got next month's free games for Xbox Games with Gold, Google Stadia Pro, and PlayStation Plus. So on Xbox Games with Gold, starting February 1st, TT, Isle of Man, and Fable Heroes will both be available. And on February 16th, Call of Cthulhu? Cthulhu, yeah. Cthulhu, yes. And Star Wars Battlefront will become available. And what's interesting about that, it is not the most recent Star Wars Battlefront game from DICE. It's actually the original Xbox Star Wars Battlefront from way back in the day. So if anyone's interested in checking those out, uh, feel free to pick those up once Mm -hmm. they're free for Games with Gold subscribers. So I know this is going to be right up your alley, AJ. We've got the next batch of Google Stadia Pro free games, and those are Metro Exodus and Guilt. Yeah, um, I never got around to playing Metro Exodus, so maybe that's uh, where I'll probably give it a shot. And then um, Guilt is the really the only Google Stadia exclusive, I believe. So You're right, yeah. You know what? Hey, I finally, a reason to, to own it because I haven't subscribed to Stadia Pro. How do you feel, though, about these games coming from... Mm-hmm. Like, I know Google hasn't really been great about releasing new games for Stadia. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about these games coming from the existing pool of games where since the, the number of games available is already limited, a lot of subscribers probably, at least specifically for Guilt being the only original game, a lot of people probably already picked that one up. So how do you feel yeah. about the way Google's approaching this? Well, for me personally, like the, 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 the hardest thing that I've had to, that I've noticed with Stadia is their pricing model for a bunch of old games that people have already played elsewhere is absolutely bananas. They're like full, like launch day price for Mortal Kombat where you could get it for like 10 to 20 bucks less on other platforms or somewhere else you go to your local EB games wherever and you could find it for less than that so the yeah the pricing of it has has just been absolutely nuts and in terms of stuff that's already on the platform and them kind of giving it to people for free well you know what I don't have to pay extra for something I wasn't playing and that for me is like been the benefit with games with gold playstation plus and even now as they try to implement like game pass and uh we'll see what happens next with playstation now like not like having a a a low barrier to entry for for me being like the small subscription service and then just access to games as long as you know even if it's if i have to check in once a month to you know put these on onto my account you know, I'm kind of all for that because there's a good chance it'll be something that I haven't gotten around to yet. I haven't tried before. 
I'm glad you're going to get to to mess around with those two games. So the third platform that we'll talk about briefly is the one that I think we all share in common, and that is PlayStation Plus free games for February have been announced. So the three games we're getting are, drumroll please, the Bioshock Collection, Firewall Zero Hour, and The Sims 4? Uh, I already posted this on Twitter. I'm pretty happy that we're getting Firewall Zero Hour. I've uh, I've contemplated, honestly, uh, unsubscribing from PlayStation Plus just because I don't feel like it's that great of a deal anymore in terms of the games I'm getting, and I don't really play online games too often to really make it worthwhile. Um, but getting a PlayStation VR game like Firewall Zero Hour, which is, uh, by and large, really well regarded, has uh, really kind of like put a jolt in my step. I'm really looking forward to playing that. So we talked about a bit before we started recording that... Uh, I've already owned Firewall. Nathan, you've already picked it up. So I think this might be a good chance for us all to maybe jump into some VR together. Give this one a shot. Because I know I didn't give it enough of a shot when I first bought it. Because I think I got it. I got my PSVR last year. I think roughly around Boxing Day. And I picked this up as well. And enjoyed what I played of it. But definitely didn't put enough time into it to justify what I paid. So... Now that it's free, I kind of feel like I need to try to get my money's worth. Yeah, no, um, I'm excited that they finally have a VR game in there. Um, it's been a while. Like, we went over the history of VR games that have been included on PS Plus uh, before we started. And I think we only found four? Um, I think it was three. I think it was Rigs. It was uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, and some horror game that I'm forgetting. Here they lie. Here they and lie. plus the Wipeout games. Because they did Wipeout, and it has VR mode. Yeah. The, and the, honestly, for anyone so. who picked up Wipeout and has a PSVR, play that game. It is so freaking cool in VR, but I digress back to you, Nathan. So, but no, it's exciting to see that. Hopefully they continue to have these behaviors because it's been a solid minute since they've included a VR game in PS Plus. I want to say it's been over a year. Um, and there's so many great VR games that they can include, especially since they discontinued the, not that anybody was playing the PS3 games, but the Vita games. I was definitely so, playing PlayStation 3 games. Hold up now. Even when they were giving you such gems um, as like, but, I don't know, like My Horse and Me and crap that they were just scraping the bottom of the barrel for at that point? I mean, My Horse and Me sounds like a great platinum trophy, so maybe. <laughs> I, I I was... See um, the, uh, uh, sorry, I, I apologize for interrupting you guys. I just want to say briefly, like no, when we would get PlayStation 3 games and Vita games, I'd still appreciate that because usually it meant that one of those games was also cross buy across playstation 4 so i would also be able to play yeah. it on playstation 4 as well you know and i was fine with that like when you had months where five of the six games you could actually play in ps4 that was great but i think cross play was getting further and further away or the cross play was getting further away as well but i think this is probably this is one of the better months we've had in in a minute like bio all three bioshock games which is amazing a really good vr game and the sims but you can't discount the sims yeah, but The Sims on console. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, I can't say anything positive about that. I think it I think it was recently. It's not like it's been out on PC for way longer. I think my wife's going to give that a try. Cool. With all that out of the way, we're going to get to what is our topic of the show and y'all know what's coming. It's time for a little 5 by 5 Oh, I'm ready. So, which does the wait? I have a question. Yeah. Does the name make sense anymore? Because they're not in the slightest. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad that we're on the same page about that. 
But let's explain what it is. I will explain how this game is going to work. There will be... Everyone is going to get a chance to present three picks, essentially, that match the category. And I'm going to rank them because I'm running the show. Because I won the test game we had, regardless of what AJ would tell you. So now it's... I had the game in the top place. (laughs) I think we all won because Breath of the Wild was the lowest on the list. I hate you guys so much. That was my game. It should have been near the top. Cozy, you were wrong, and now it's going to bite Let's you. Let's keep bringing ass. up a so, thing that nobody's going to I'm the I'm the most bitter winner you'll ever meet. <laughs> he still won. He Mitch still won, and he's saying that I was wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was... No, it was on the list. It was on the list, that's it, for sure. It was at it was like in the 11 top. or 12 by the end of it. You are all wrong. What is wrong with you? Oh, you're right. No, it didn't score. It oh got my pushed. God. Yeah. I, I went back and okay. listened. It got pushed off the list. So the way this is going to work, it's a top 10. You're each bringing three. That's 12. So somebody's games are not going to make the list. Or in this case, the topic of the show or the topic of the game is the best video game villains. So someone's bad guys are not making this list. So the first round will go around. Everyone will present their three. I'll rank them accordingly. You'll score two points. If your pick's in the top five, one point if it's between six and ten. And other than that, it means nothing unless it's Breath of the Wild, which was so underrated in our test show that I'm never going to let that go. So as somebody who as somebody who missed that episode, just to clarify, Breath of the Wild, which is not a good game, it was at the bottom of the list. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Doom is not a better game than Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'm just saying that. It's not. Nathan, I think you have an advantage because you weren't on last week, and so he doesn't have a vendetta against you. So that's our round one. Remember, round the host has to be not biased against anyone or their picks. You have to listen to the arguments. You can't hold I a bias. Don't you worry. This is going to be... Okay, that's round one. Let me finish explaining the game, and then we can piss each other off. So round two. <laughs> you can... God, fuck. Round two, you can pick one of your, in this case, villains and argue why it is better than one other pick on the list specifically. If I think you're right, I'll put it above it. If I think you're wrong, things stay the same. Round three is the lightning round. I'm going to ask each of y'all to pick a number. Based on that number, I'm going to give you a villain and you get to argue for it. I put it on the list. I don't. We'll see. Who knows? If we need a tiebreaker, I've got one and you're not going to like it. So, with that being said, Nathan, you are new to us, so I'm going to give you the honor of going last, and just because you like to piss me off, AJ, what's your first pick? All right. Man, that's such an honor that you have the the title of pissing uh, Mitch off. Yeah, I mean... I mean, technically it was cozy, but whatever. (laughs) It's my game. I'm running it however I want. AJ, let's go. What's your first pick? All right. I thought long and hard about this best villain have to be deep they have to mean something i'm going to present to you a quote from who is the best video game villain of all time come on we don't have all night here let's go oh i also forgot to mention this part at the beginning um yeah there's a 90 second timer because we were all you know lamenting and and carrying on and Mm -hmm. extrapolating so timer starts now go oh yeah okay that would have been good to know now thanks Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington. It belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican. It belongs to God. 
No, says the man in Moscow. It belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. I'm pretty sure you got you those two parts. No, I was just saying, I, I'm pretty sure you got those two parts mixed around. I don't think so. I don't think so. AJ, he's, he's eating your time. You better, you better go. What's your argument? What is it? Let's go. My argument is, what kind of man takes a city, puts it under the water, and dooms an entire society of people based on his flawed idea of how society should be? That is a good villain, in my opinion. I'm going to give you the rest of the time. It's number one right now, anyway. So you didn't even say the villain's name. It, it would help <laughs> if you gave me the name of the goddamn villain. Andrew Ryan. From? Bioshock. Bioshock 1, yes, that is good correct. Choice. He was on my list of an Same option. here. I wasn't going to pick him, though, because he was only the villain for halfway through the game. Yeah. Let, 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 let's save this for the, rebutal, <laughs> okay. the rebuttals. So, uh, so you're that's it. You're you're done. Okay. So that was a guy with very little argument <laughs> as to why he is the best. And the list has zero entrance on it. So I guess for now it's going to be number 1 by default, but you you might have All right, I win. Once two weeks in a that's row. That's a wrap Number everybody. One. There goes the timer. AJ wins uh, again. Whatever. Cozy, <laughs> you you pissed me off the second most last week. You're up. What's your pick? What the fuck? Do I just have to try harder then? Yeah, try harder. Whatever you get, it's an advantage <laughs> going later. Don't worry, you get to piss off everyone else. Right. It's fun. Go. Okay. Cozy, what is it? Uh, my pick. Uh, I'm gonna say his name right away. Mario from the Mario series. Um, now, hold on. I should specify this is specifically <laughs> Mario's appearance in Donkey Kong Two, uh, Donkey Kong Junior. As you know, in that game, Mario basically entraps Donkey Kong in a cage and Donkey Kong Jr. must rescue him. I think that Mario is an exemplary video game villain because we all think of Mario as being this, you know, evil... No, sorry. We don't think of Mario as being this evil, sinister force. We think of him as a, you know, goody two-shoes, sailor, boy scout, Italian plumber of a man that always tries to do the best for the world. And yet, in this one role, he demonstrates that... Deep down, everybody has a capacity for evil. Yeah, that's my argument. Interesting points. I'm not sure I agree with Mario being the villain because we don't understand for we don't know his motivation because no one in these games speaks. So you only have to go based on the visuals, and that's not nearly enough. However, that was way more of an argument than AJ. So just for that reason, Mario from Donkey Kong Jr. is going first on the list. <laughs> yes. All right, Alex, it's your turn. So what is one of the, if not the, best video game villain of all, all time? All right. I'm going to go with, and I will also say their name just right off the bat, Dutch Vanderlyn from Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2. The reason why I would say Dutch is because I thought he was such a compelling character right at the beginning because he starts off as your friend. As Andrew Morgan, you are his right-hand man. He trusts you, and you trust him. He's always got a plan. He is leading this group of outlaws and misfits, and he's keeping them together. But as things, as the West is starting to fall apart, so is Dutch. And you start to see cracks in the sanity, and he's just starting to lose it. He's starting to say things that are a little off-kilter, that that's not Dutch, that's not who I know. And then... Just as the game progresses, as Arthur Morgan is starting to fall apart himself because of tuberculosis. Oh yeah, spoiler. Um, 
So is Dutch, but for completely different reasons. He's losing his sanity. He is deciding, you know what? I'm going to be an outlaw for life. And he just starts, like, he decides to, I'm not going to go rescue John Marston from prison. And then at the end of Arthur Morgan's story, Dutch betrays Arthur and just decides, I'm going to go be a wilder man. And you know what? I just think it's that progression of um, downfall that you see in Dutch that I think makes him such a compelling villain because he starts off as he starts off one end and then you see him by the end of the game being he's completely lost it and you have no choice but to be against him. And then I think that continues into Red Dead Redemption 1, which is a sequel, but is the first Mm. game. We're going to need to come up with a different countdown timer noise. That's more appropriate to the show, I think. That's fine. I just went with the one that was defaulted on my phone because it was the most accessible timer I had. You made some really good points there, Alex. Yeah, it's okay. I appreciate the the perspective that you brought around this character. <laughs> There's one problem with your argument, however. Until mm-hmm. a minute and a half ago, I could not uh-huh. have told you the name of the villain from either Red Dead Redemption game as I have not played either Red Dead Redemption game Given, given that I'm not familiar enough with these games and the fact that you've now spoiled them for me and given me no reason to that's play them That's not myself, true. Fuck you. That's not true. I, I, have, I have no choice but to put this below Andrew Ryan at number three. Okay. All right. Got to play to my Nathan. audience. Got it. Nathan, Nathan, who's your bad guy? Okay. I want to talk to you about exploitation. And a villain that continually exploits the player into doing your bidding to constantly pay you money and put you in debt. I'd like to talk about the case of Tom Nook. Tom Nook in Animal Crossing is the best villain ever because he just constantly puts you in debt. He doesn't give you a choice. He just says, here's your bigger house, and then you have to go and work and pay for your house. And he continually does this over and over and over again as he does upgrades and finds new things. He doesn't give you a choice. You can't say no. You just constantly are fed that and put into more and more debt. He takes your hard work and uses it to expand his own business empire. As far as I'm concerned, that's what makes him the best villain. Well under time too. I appreciate that. Some interesting points there. The, the parallels between Animal Crossing and real-world capitalism and how there's really no way to dig yourself out of the holes that other parties are putting you into. Man, it just it, it really it, it hits home for me as someone who is a mortgage holder, who has some debt, concerned with some financial situations coming up this calendar year with getting married. And for that reason, and the fact that Mario, who's not a villain, is at number one, Tom Nook is our new number mm. one on this list. I I, I, I got to be honest. I feel like, and uh, I, I'm uh, not going to go uh, on. Uh, uh. Save it for round right. two. Don't dig yourself a deeper hole than a, you have to, Cozy. I just want to tease and say I have a very good analogy to make when I make my argument against uh, Tom Nook, but and, I'll save it. And while we're all looking forward to that, at the moment, I need AJ to give me one of the best video game villains of all time. Oh, boy. Well, seeing as my last description was a bit of a disaster, I tried to be artsy with it. Uh, Why don't I try and be a little less artsy? 
everybody's familiar with Smash Brothers. When you get through a round of Smash Brothers, you get to fight what is essentially mm -hmm. a depiction of yourself playing with toys. You get to fight the master hand. However, I'm not going to nominate the master hand for this list. I'm going to nominate his brother, Crazy Hand. Crazy Hand comes out of nowhere, unexpected, and is just pure, unadulterated chaos just meant to fuck your shit up. And that's all it cares about. It wants to stomp on your sandcastle. It wants to destroy everything you love. And it just wants you to not exist anymore. Whatever character you're playing as that gets to fight Crazy Hand in Smash Brothers probably doesn't stand a chance. You could easily take Master Hand, who tries to be calculated but isn't all that smart. Crazy Hand doesn't care. Crazy Hand just destroys. Seven. Yeah, yeah, you got another time this time. So right, you perfect. almost had me until you played that bait and switch. Mm -hmm. And I, while I appreciate the artistry of it, uh -huh. you just gave me a villain from a game, a game series, mind you, that is not uh -huh. even the best villain in said series. And for that Go reason on. and that reason alone, even though I don't know Red Dead, it's going at number five below Dutch. Unacceptable. My list. Cozy, who's your second pick? Okay. Uh, I want to nominate uh, Carmen Sandiego from the series Carmen Sandiego. Um, I mean, first off, I want to get a little bit of female villain representation on this list. I think that, you know, there aren't really a whole lot of uh, notable female villains in games that come to mind. And I, you know, think that she's a really strong, cool character. She has a great sense of style. Uh, and I think that what I like about her is that while she's always... Um, you know, stealing all sorts of cool things around the world and taunting uh, the protagonist of whatever game she appears in and letting them know how, you know, they're never going to be able to thwart her plans. She always uh, leaves a solution to uh, stopping her plans just within the player's grasp and it to, in order to solve their plan, in order to uh, basically stop her plans, the player actually has to, like, learn something and exercise their brain and, you know, use mathematics or something or other. And I think that for that reason, I think that Carmen Sandiego really deserves a nod. I think you can't say that there are, no, there are a few video game villains that are simultaneously uh, really fashionable women uh, that also actually teach you something uh, on your quest to defeat them. I do agree with you. There is not a lot of female representation in video game villainy, nor is there on this list or on this podcast. And I wouldn't want to be seen as someone who who would belittle the idea of bringing a different perspective to this show. And for that reason, Carmen Sandiego's in at number two, just under Tom Nook. All right, Alex, it's your time to shine. Who's your next pick? Oh boy. Um, first, I've got to say, your reasoning for placement on lists are awful. Uh, but now, time for my point, uh, my pick. I'm going to pick a character who is already established in other forms of media. But, it's his representation in a very specific game series that I think really makes him just such a great villain. And I'm going to say the Joker from the Batman Arkham series. Uh, for one, you get Mark Hamill returning as the voice of the Joker, which he is the Joker, which is fantastic. Two, you get a continuation of the Batman... 
my god. <laughs> I, I understand it's overwhelming to speak of Mark Hamill's Joker, but <coughs> take take whatever time you need since I forgot to start oh, the timer. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, the Joker um, is just fantastic in those games. Um, you really get a sense that it's a continuation of Batman the Animated Series um, with Mark Hamill. And uh, I would just like to bring up the fact that uh, when, as a villain... When the Joker, spoiler again, when the Joker dies in Arkham City, you feel that. Like, you feel this relationship that him and Batman both had, that he, when he's carrying the body of the Joker out of the, the movie theater, that this is, like, impactful to him. That this is, like, to Batman, this is a part of his life that is gone now. Um, and then I would say in Arkham Knight, when the Joker returns inside batman's head and so you get that dynamic that never goes away no matter where batman goes the joker's always going to be there with him i think it was such an interesting idea to have um and i think just it was it gave mark hamill a chance to really ham it up and got to you know uh got to have a version of the joker that we'd never really seen before one that knows bruce wayne's identity can't do anything about it but just gets to be with him so I think the Joker in the Arkham games is just a fantastic version of that character. Now, I know this might be because you had a tickle in your throat or whatever it is, but the the emotion with which you presented that argument, <laughs> it hit me right in the feels. And <sighs> for that reason, and the fact I've never played an Animal Crossing game in my life, the Joker from the Arkham series <laughs> is going in at number one. Guess who's playing to their audience? If you if you try that again, it's not going to work. Just so you know. <laughs> we'll see about that. All right, Nathan, let's uh, let's let's finish off round or round two of round one. I don't know. Whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. Round, round two. one point five. Nathan, who's your next pick? All right, let's uh, talk about something that I think is important to talk about. The cake is a lie. Glados is the best villain in video game history. Killing you and giving you advice aren't mutually exclusive is one of the many great quotes that we have from GLaDOS over two solid games. She is evil, she wants to kill you, she kind of wants to help you, and there may or may not be people in the heart, the companion boxes that are squished into them. So as far as I'm concerned, there is nobody who is nearly as creepy, but somebody you want to hear more from than GLaDOS. So I like everything you said, except for one thing. You said there is no villain as creepy as GLaDOS. As someone who works exclusively with computers as much as he can in his nine to five, I personally take offense to you calling computers creepy. And given that we have a muy bueno creepy villain who is in batman psychoses at number one i'm sorry to say nathan but this has to fall just short at number two <laughs> i was gonna say we're halfway through round one so let's just quickly run through where the list sits right now so at number eight we have crazy hand from the super smash brothers series from aj number seven we have dutch from the red dead series from alex at number six, Andrew Ryan from Bioshock, which was AJ's. At number five, Mario from Donkey Kong Jr., which was Cozy's pick. 
right above that at number four was Carmen Sandiego from the Carmen Sandiego games. Also cozies. At number three, we've got Tom Nook from Animal Crossing uh, from Nathan. At number two, GLaDOS from the Portal series, which was also Nathan's pick. And sitting up there nice and pretty at number one is the Joker from the Batman Arkham series, which was Alex's. All right. I I still have two of mine in the top five, so I'm perfectly happy. So given that we're halfway through round one, we're going to switch things up. And the order, we're flipping it. So Nathan, what's your next pick? Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. I know. Um, Wild card. I'm going to talk about a villain who bought a pony made of diamonds just because he's rich. Let's talk about Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack is one of the greatest video game villains of all time. He's hilarious. He's constantly in your ear, making fun of you, telling you terrible things about you. He hits all those hallmarks. But what makes him really good is you kind of care about him a little bit. Just a tiny little bit. And when you get to see Handsome Jack in the prequel and you see him before he was messed up, it's a really interesting case. Um, there's, And when you defeat him at the end of Borderlands 2, which I guess is a spoiler technically for like a 10-year-old game, um, maybe not quite 10, um, you feel satisfaction in that as well because of everything he was trying to do and trying to end the world. Um, but beyond GLaDOS, I couldn't think of somebody more hilarious <laughs> than handsome jack so i'm going to enter handsome jack for your approval i like it i really really like it but there's one problem and i'm sorry to say but you did not care to mention the phenomenal presence that that character brought to a little game that i really really enjoyed called tales from the borderlands oh i'm a big fan of tales of the borderlands so don't even get me started on that one wasn't in your initial argument though i while I appreciate that, the time went before you said best Borderlands, and for that reason, it's got to go at number four, bumping Carmen Sandiego down, just underneath Tom Nook. All right, order reversed. I'm trying to remember how math works. I think it was me. Alex, yeah, you're up. It's me. Okay, so I'm going to choose a character that when they showed up in the game that they were in for the first time, it made me feel like a real fucking superhero. Not in the traditional sense, but in the way the boss fight went. I'm choosing Balder from God of War. Because when Balder showed up, he was mysterious. His name in the game was The Stranger. You had no idea who he was. You didn't know. You thought maybe he could be Loki. I don't know. He's got a brother. So it's like, what? Who is this guy? But then he's more than meets the eye. He flings you across your house, and you are Kratos, the god of war. You feel like you're, from previous experiences in God of War games, you know that you're almost untouchable. You killed the entire Greek pantheon. And this is a guy who, finally, you have met your match. You don't know if you can beat this guy, because he's unkillable. And I think just the story behind Baldur is so interesting. He's a guy who got all of his sensations taken away because all of his feelings taken away because his mother just loved him so much that she couldn't bear the thought of losing him. And I just think that's such a powerful moment. I think the performance that, unfortunately, I can't remember the actor's name, gave when he sees Freya for the first time in 100 years, it's so powerful. 
that this is the person who took everything away from him in his mind. And so I think Balder is such a fantastic choice. I think he brought such a great presence to the game. And I absolutely love Balder in God of War. So I really like everything you just said. However, you did say he was unkillable. Spoilers for God of War from two years ago. Wait, let's not do it. There's two people in the thing who haven't actually played the game. Anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled, mute your, take off your headphones right now. There they go. Oh there they go. God. He died. So he, he, he was totally killable. Okay. All right. Headphones back. Headphones back. This is going to be hard to argue now because now I feel like I've got to be conscious of other people's feelings. So given given that fact, I'm going to wait for, for our, our two gentlemen who, who That's had to graciously point. remove their headphones. And given the fact we that we Alex did you. not tell the truth when he gave his statement, I'm going to have to put this in just under Andrew Ryan from Bioshock at number eight. That was me throwing my notebook because I've given up. This is what it feels like. Yeah, it is. Cozy, what's your next pick? Uh, the villain that I want to go with my third pick uh, is a villain that has gone by many names. Uh, he was known to the Russians as Shalashaska. But most people, or at least most people in the know, know him as Revolver Ocelot. This is a man that's playing the long game. He knows that not even in one year, not even in five years, not even in ten years will be able to change the world and accomplish his goals, whatever they may be. Uh, <laughs> but he knows that eventually, in time, he'll be able... Uh, to accomplish his goals with enough prodding, enough poking, enough manipulation, enough schmoozing with the right and wrong people. And he knows that in order to do that, he has to de and do everything. He has to convince himself that he's other people, put himself into roles um, that make him completely forget his previous identities. He needs to become an expert marksman, uh, a seemingly uh, totally inept scoundrel early on, a absolute uh, master class of a villain later on in his life. This is a man that can be and do anything in order to accomplish anything. And also, uh, his voice is really, really cool. At least in the original Metal Gear Solid. I thought that as it went on, it went a little bit over the top. But hey, I think that a good villain has his flaws. Well said. So, I'm a little conflicted here. Because earlier I gave the argument for Dutch that I hadn't played Red Dead. And I will admit right now to having not played any of the Metal Gear games. But given that, mm -hmm. one, I am aware of who Revolver Ocelot is. And two, that rousing speech you just gave. Plus the fact that somehow Carmen Sandiego and Mario are still on this list. I'm going to have to throw Revolver Ocelot in at number six. Smack dab between Carmen Sandiego and Mario from Donkey Kong Jr. Also, I realized earlier that when I said we were halfway through round one, this is the last pick of round one. I did my maths wrong because we're playing with four people this week instead of three. So, yeah, this is going to be the last game to get added to this list as part of round one. So, AJ, to take us home, what'll it be? All right, well, thought long and hard about this, and I think what better enemy in 
any any venture that you would you would have to overcome than yourself this is true in real life and it's also true in video games i am choosing to put dark link on this list from the legend of zelda dark link being a specifically a mirror image of yourself a representation of your overconfidence to get to the finish line the final obstacle that you have to overcome in well in the second zelda and in a few other uh, locations in the Zelda series, no- nothing compares to having to have the willpower to defeat your internal demons. And having Dark Link represented on this list would be an abs- absolute must, in my opinion. Cool. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I really like what you brought with regards to how the character is just a representation of everything wrong about yourself in this universe. I mean, it, it is hard to quantify a character that doesn't speak compared to some of these other really well, re- well-versed, well-acted villains. Um, but there is at least one that I don't know what their voice sounds like. So I have no problems with putting this above it. So Dark Link from the Legend of Zelda series is going to slide in at number five. Just ahead of Carmen Sandiego. <sighs> Wine all you want, that's how the list looks. So after round one, just outside of our top ten, we've got Crazy Hand from Smash Brothers and Dutch from Red Dead. At number ten, we've got Balder from the God of War 2018 game. Number nine, we've got Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. At number eight, Mario from Donkey Kong Jr. somehow. At number seven, Revolver Ocelot from the Metal Gear Solid franchise. At number six, we have Carmen Sandiego. At number five, we've got Dark Link from The Legend of Zelda. Number four is Handsome Jack from Borderlands. Number three is Tom Nook from Animal Crossing. Just missing out at number two is GLaDOS from Portal. And our number one best video game villain is Joker from the Batman Arkham series. Uh, I'm just trying to quickly eyeball what the points look like. It doesn't look so good for AJ and Alex. They got a couple outside the top ten. Nathan's looking real good there. So just based on that, for for round two, I'm going to do my best just by eyeballing it and going in the reverse order, starting with whoever I think is leading and doing the best job so far and finishing with AJ. So, Nathan, for round two, you can argue any game that you brought to this list should be better than any other game on this list. And by game, I mean villain. So, okay, have at it. Let's talk about why GLaDOS should be above the Joker. Now, let's start off with, I love the Joker. Mark Hamill's interpretation of the Joker is awesome. Right here, I have my copy of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. It's a fantastic movie. And it's a movie. Let's not mix up characters outside of video game media and put them above characters that are in video game media. Let's the Joker maybe should be on the list, but should he be number one? GLaDOS needs to be elevated and take the place as the rightful best villain. There's no question about this. And it's a travesty that it's still sitting there bothering me, looking at me, staring at me. Let's fix this and fix this right now. I'm good. You're good. That's good to hear. 
So, Alex, given that uh, Nathan's gunning for your number one spot, tell me why the Joker is, in fact, a video game villain and why it deserves to stay at the number one spot. Well, for one, he's in four video games, at least in this franchise, in the Arkham series. Actually, he's in more if you count Arkham VR and the Escape from Blackgate game. Um, I would say his performance from Mark Hamill is fantastic. I would say his performance from Troy Baker is fantastic. Um, I would say Nathan's argument is almost invalid because he starts off saying, one, that he loves the the interpretation, and also then he brings up a movie, and I'm talking about the performance of him specifically in the Arkham games. I think also the Joker in these games brought a whole new side of this character that we didn't really get to see before in this uh, series. And I think just if you think of interpretations of the Joker you think of the Arkham games above most other interpretations, and I just think that though GLaDOS is... Okay. I I will stop my sentence there. That's okay. Finish your, finish your sentence, because I forgot to mention that you're only going to get 30 seconds for your rebuttal. I would say even though the, that GLaDOS is a character that came from a video game, I would say the Joker is a definitive video game villain who deserves to be at the number one for his impact on that character well spoken and something that really stuck out to me about nathan's argument was arguing that the batman beyond movie is a good movie and while i love batman i don't think it's that good so we're leaving things as they are joker stays at number one i'm not complaining but also return of the joker is awesome yeah did you watch the uncut version eh i probably should I just haven't gotten around to it because, you know, life and things. So if I'm looking at this list, and I already said AJ's going last, then I believe, Alex, it's your chance to redeem yourself. What here needs to be higher? And I'm just going to give you a hint. Don't pick Dutch. Don't worry. I'm not going to make that mistake. Even though I do disagree with you, I know I'm not going to win that fight. Disagree all you want. This is my game right now. That is why I am going to pick Balder. I think Balder deserves to be higher. And the person who I'm going to pit Balder against is a character who is not a villain. Tom Nook is not a villain. Tom Nook is a legitimate businessman who decided to take a chance on a new villager in town. And you know what? It's not his fault that you fucked up. It's not his fault. He's a legitimate businessman, and you know what? He deserves his bells. He deserves his money. Where Balder is a villain, he is sadistic. And yeah, he might have reasons why he's like that, but he is still evil. He was going to kidnap a child. He punches Atreus. He is a evil person. Careful of spoilers here. I am being careful. Yeah, it's fine. It's as okay. Best I, as best as I can, I am being careful to not directly spoil, or spoil things. But Atreus, or not Atreus, Balder is an evil character where Tom Nook is just trying to make a living, man. That's all I got. All right, Nathan, he's gunning for your spot. So give me, give me 30 seconds as to why Tom Nook is a villain and not just a run-of-the-mill businessman trying to make ends meet. Well, I think the quote we used was legitimate businessman. You know who else is a legitimate businessman? Tony Soprano, who murders people, kills people, buries them. Um, He steals. Like, that's a legitimate businessman. That is Tom Nook. 
he runs the mob in Animal Crossing. It's a seedy underworld. And I'm sorry that Alex doesn't understand that, but that's the way it is. Right on time. I appreciate the promptness. However, oh, I wish I could rebuttal. However, and I'm I, th I think Alex, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to get, I think I'm going to cover you here. Your previous argument for why Joker should be moved is because he is not a character from a video game. And you just brought up another television and film based character to argue your point. So you're almost fighting against yourself in that way. And given the fact that you mentioned Tony Soprano and not Tony Soprano from the phenomenal PlayStation 2 game, The Sopranos, leaves me no choice <laughs> but to put Balder above Tom Nook at number three. Shake your head all you want. It's there. That's my list. It's, it, it, it's in there. So, sorry. Cozy, mm -hmm. what's up? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. All right. So your picks are in there from eight, seven, eight, nine. So what are you thinking? Where are we going? What are we arguing? Uh, okay. I don't know whether or not I can pull off a win at this point, uh, but I'm going to try. Uh, I want to argue why... There's always round three. That's true. Okay. I want to argue why Carmen Sandiego is also a better villain than Tom Nook. Uh, and basically, it comes down to the fact that Carmen Sandiego is in every way more villainous than Tom Nook is. Um, Tom Nook just sits around in some dumpy town in Nowheresville. It's Carmen Sandiego, she's traveling the world. She's going to all the most extravagant and luxurious places and screwing shit up there. Tom Nook, he puts one person in debt. Carmen Sandiego, she puts the entire world in debt, stealing all of their priceless artifacts and buildings. Tom Nook, he wears like, I don't know, an apron and no pants. Carmen Sandiego, she has the best style in the world. Again, as stated earlier. And finally, last but not least, honestly, I really don't like it when people say, oh man, Tom Nook, what a big villain that guy is. That's like when people are like, oh man, Die Hard is a real good Christmas movie. It's like you're, you're saying it more because you think it's like a really funny, cool thing to say than... Oh man, I I think that like regardless of whether it's true or not, I would say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie is definitely more compelling argument in that regard. But both of them share the same DNA of like we're saying this because it's a cool thing. Undeniably, Carmen Sandiego is a villain. Tom Nook, just no way in hell. Thanks, Cozy. You just made a terrible, terrible mistake, Nathan. You don't even have to rebuke this. Because oh, but, it, I, but what, can I? Because of Mario on the list. In a minute, <laughs> it's staying where it is, simply okay. due to the fact that you tried to talk shit about Die Hard as a Christmas movie, and we're not allowed to do that when I'm running this show. <laughs> so it's staying where it is. Nathan, present your point of rebuttal. But Die Die Hard, stay like you, you talk shit about Die Hard. You're not gonna win. I just said that it is a Christmas movie. But you tried to draw the analogy that it's not, or that it's overblown so, in the way that Tom Nook is overblown as a villain. I don't believe that Die Hard is overblown being called a Christmas movie. Therefore, your argument is moot. All right, well, if you're not going to, you know what? You know what? If you're not going to put my thing uh, above Tom Nook, then I'm just going to say it straight up. I think that it is honestly pretty overblown. And I think that anytime anyone says, oh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, it's all right. What about Iron Man 3? What about Lethal Weapon? What about all these other movies that take place around Christmas time that we don't traditionally think of as Christmas They're movies? Great. What about them? And they huh? are Christmas there, movies. There, what do you think about you're that? Right. Mitch? You're Mitch, right. what do you they think about Christmas that? Movies. Can you counter what I'm you. saying? You can't I'm care what you. I'm saying, Those man. Those are great Christmas movies. All of them. I would watch any of those Nathan, before Miracle on 34th I, Street. You're right. 
Nathan, you can go ahead and, and say your rebuttal. I don't mind. I don't know how we can make the argument for Tom Nook being a video game villain when Mario's on this list. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not. Mario's at like number nine. Yeah, he, point, he might not so. be here for long. I'm just saying you're the, but you're the one who put Mario on the list, and you're making an argument that Tom Nook can't be on the or is not a villain when we have Mario, the biggest video game mascot in the history of video games. Pikachu says hi. Mm. Um, anyways. So that, that's where I'm going with it. Either way, it's not moving. That was a bad argument, Cozy, and I feel bad for you right now. AJ, what's up? I mean, I think that you should feel bad for yourself that you're clinging so strongly to this dumb internet argument that started like two decades ago. It's not someone an internet was, uh, argument. Someone was, went on to theinternet.com and is like, oh man, you know what? I really think that Die Hard's a good Christmas movie. And then the whole internet has been unable to get it out of their head. Just... Just stop. I watch Die Hard every December 24th as tradition because cool. I enjoy it as a film and I enjoy watching it at Christmas, which for me makes it a Christmas film. If you want to fight me on that, you're welcome to, but it's not happening now. AJ, AJ do your thing. Okay, pineapple belongs on pizza. Um, so I, I need to go for the Hail Mary here. And Nathan, I'm sorry to pick on you like everybody else has been. But listen, GLaDOS told the truth there was a cake it was not a lie at the end of the original portal spoilers sorry crazy hand is pure chaos and gives no fucks crazy hand is a better villain than glados glados is your friend they made a neat gun for the people who are still alive when are we going to get your rendition of that song because that was beautiful <laughs> i i considered just singing the whole thing but i chose not to tangent but the fact that that was included as a free download in what was it rock band i don't know if it was rock band yeah, one or rock uh, band two rock band one i i freaking love that personally as someone who didn't really play valve games but really 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 enjoyed portal that being included in rock band sort of was it, it's very nostalgic for me absolutely so nathan he argues that glados is not a villain and that crazy hand is the better villain <sighs> Tell me why he's wrong. So I'm not a big smash guy, but as far as I can tell, crazy hands, a hand that appears at the end of the game. And there's been a lot of stuff put around to make crazy hands seem cooler than he actually is, but he's not. GLaDOS is constantly throughout the entire series of portal talking to you and being present with you in the game, making your life worse. It by far or she by far is the best video game villain. Also, we need women representation on the list, so don't move it. Yeah, and that's why she's still on the list. And AJ, I, I tried to warn you. Crazy Hand isn't even the best villain Why? in his own game. We're 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 arguing specifically. We're not arguing number number twelve versus number two. We're arguing Crazy Hand versus Glados. I know, I know, GLaDOS I know you're going for it. I know you're going isn't for it, but a villain. it just wasn't. You know whose motivations are more memorable? Whether or not you believe they are the true villain of the franchise, mm -hmm. that between GLaDOS and Crazy mm -hmm. Hand? I remember what GLaDOS did. Crazy Hand just flops around like a fucking idiot. So for that reason, nothing's moving. And you've done this to yourself, and I feel bad for you. It was a Hail Mary. Yeah, I, and I, I, I appreciate you going for it. It just it was the wrong call. So, as the list, as the list stands... Best means goodest, which means the uh, least bad, which means I'm winning again. 
Yep, so the only thing that's changed since the end of round mm -hmm. one is that Balder has moved up from number okay. something, I don't care, to number three, something like that. So as the list stands, it's the exact same thing as it was at the end of round one. We've just got Balder now at number three. So my round three, because each host is going to have a different way that they want to play this game, is I've got, oh God, you guys didn't take anything off my list. I've got 18 villains in a list that are probably better in most ways than those that are on this list. You're not getting any re-rolls. You're not getting nothing. I want each of you in the order that we're going to, like, we're going to figure out order in a second with a random number generator and then you're just going to pick a number between 1 and 18 and we'll see what you get so oh man i can't wait to get hans gruber <laughs> not a video game character there I, there was a diehard game sure playstation one yeah there was a also on the nes as well okay well i was born after that game came out so i probably don't remember it. so just give me a second to get set up all right so i want number between one and four <laughs> and based on my random number generator-ness cozy you're up first so give me a number between one and 18 uh 16 oh it's a good one you're gonna like this one so the villain i need you to argue deserves a place on this list is your friends Ooh. in mario kart you know, I, I was very tempted to actually note it down as one of my answers. Um, well, I mean, should've. why are your friends such assholes at Mario Kart? Well, I mean, why are they one of the worst villains of all time? Because they will not hesitate at a moment's notice to completely knock you into last place. These people, these people, it's what I was saying earlier about how, you know, with Mario, where everybody has the capacity for evil inside them. When you're playing Mario Kart, that is evidence uh, times one million. The, when the moment that they get their hands on a shell, on a banana peel, on anything that can mess your day up, um, mm -hmm. to you, you are just a number. And that number is a number one. And they're the number negative one. And they're reducing you <laughs> to zero. That was beautiful. And based solely on the fact that you had to present the idea that mm -hmm. they are the embodiment of evil inside you, that, that hits home much more to me than another argument that was made of a similar vein. I'm going to have to put this in at number six, just above, sorry, AJ, but Dark Link. Oh. Man, you might, you might as well have just put mine at uh, the one below that so I could have the complete cozy power hour. You might not be saying that in a minute. <laughs> All right, so out of the three that remain, Nathan, I need a number between one and 18. That is not 16. If you give me 16, you get nothing. Let's go for lucky number 13. Oh, actually, it's uh, we're going for 13. Uh -huh, you're going to love this one. And I don't care if you've played the game or not, but wow. you need to argue to me why Master Xehanort from the Kingdom Hearts franchise is one of the best villains of all time. <laughs> well, number one, his name's Master Xehanort, so that's cool. Because everybody knows what a Xehanort is. I mean, I mean, it doesn't have any special significance in the series. He makes nerds happy, and that's a bad thing. Kingdom Hearts is uncomprehensible, and by that definition on its own, it has created a terrible, hard-to-understand video game series that just confuses people, and you need a like encyclopedia to understand. 
That is why Xehanort's a good villain. <laughs> if I showed you three Kingdom Hearts characters next to each other, do you think you could pick Xehanort out of the three? Yeah, I probably could. I played uh, number two. Okay. So. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, given the fact that you're totally right in the fact that this game series is incredibly convoluted and I had to watch a YouTube recap before I played the third one, I'm going to have to say that Master Xehanort is definitely a better villain in what he's made people think and live over the last decade than Carmen Sandiego at number eight. You know, if you had given me Master Xehanort, I would have... <laughs> I would have also argued for him really well, and I could have honestly given him an actual argument. That's great, but you didn't pick it, so too bad. So sad. All right, I've been picking on you, so I'm not even going to go to the random number generator. AJ, give me a number. Hey, Google, pick a number between 1 and 18. Here's a random number, 10. Number 10. This should be fun. AJ, tell me why, <laughs> and now shut up Google first, and then AJ, I need you to tell me why yes. Ares from God of War is one of the best video game villains of all time. And this is PS2 God of War, not any of Alex's hoity-toity 2018 God of War. Oh, boy. <laughs> Have you played the original God of Wars? No. Oh, I'm not going to pick on you. <laughs> The universe, the universe did. Uh, God damn it! Um, I didn't. You picked on yourself. <laughs> Ares uh, really um, fucked up Wonder Woman's day, didn't he? And you know, we all love Gal Gadot. The the a really really good DCEU movie. Um, and you know, he he did a, a good job with that mustache in that movie. Um, can't wait to see that in review. Uh, also, didn't did didn't, didn't he get his head ripped off? Uh, no, got a No, maybe He's, he met a faithful demise like every good villain. Can I uh, tag team and help out no. AJ a bit here? I mean, you didn't you didn't help Nathan, so AJ gets no help from you, Cozy. I'm sorry. Well, can I say out loud something that Nathan, uh, sorry, AJ should say? You can say out loud whatever you want. It's not going to change where I'm putting this on the list. Go ahead. But I mean that AJ would then repeat himself, and he's in his own argument. Nope, nope, no, no, no how are you on time. AJ, just speak. <laughs> I literally just said he's out of time. Cozy, make your point, and then I'm putting Aries where I'm yeah, putting it on the list. T tell me how to improve for next time. <laughs> Okay, uh, there's a scene argument. in the game where Ares uh, realizes that Kratos has got the one weapon that he could use to kill him, and so he takes a spear and he tosses it halfway around the world and stabs and kills Kratos. Uh, and in terms of him dying, while he doesn't get uh, his head cut off, he does get stabbed through the chest and it emits a really cool explosion that looked really decent back in 2005. So, uh, that, okay. uh, yeah. So he met a, yeah, so he met a good fate like any good villain should. Yeah, that's in that at was, number that was thir thirteen. That was just point. so that's in at thirteen, just above Dutch from Red Dead, because yeah. I still haven't played that. It's a good game. <laughs> well, speaking of good games, Alex, I'm gonna need a random number for you, and hopefully one of these villains is from a better game than Red Dead or Red okay. Dead Two. Well, I mean, those are very good games, so I don't know. I it would have to be a very good game. I'm picking number one. Your mic cut out. I didn't hear what you said. Number one. 
Number one. Oh, this one's going to be fun. And if you fuck it up, I'm going to be so, so disappointed in you. Number one oh, great. is the rival from Pokemon Gold and Silver. So why is the rival from Gold and Silver specifically one of the best villains of all time? Well, the rival, I mean, it's in the name. He's your rival, or they. Um, I don't remember if you can choose who they look, what they look like. Um, but either way, they're your rival. They always are trying to cut you off at the turn. You pick whichever starter you pick, and you pick which um, you pick which type, and then they pick the opposite type that directly counters yours because they're just an asshole. And you know what? You also get to name them, and they get to be an asshole because that's what I always name my rivals. And so you just have to just you know what? You got to prove you're better at a disadvantage. You got to just be the best, like no one ever was. That's it. That's all I got. I never played gold and silver. Cozy, you wanna you wanna lend a hand here? Uh, the rival from Gold and Silver. Yeah. What what's special about them? Okay. First off, the rival from Gold and Silver is canonically confirmed to be the son of Giovanni, the main villain from the Thank first game. Thank you. Oh. Uh, and also, like when people talk about how rivals in the Pokemon games used to be assholes, this guy was like the peak of that. Well, I mean, I got that point right. He is an asshole. But you didn't say peak asshole. Mm, I think it was implied. But it was still a better argument, unfortunately, than that masterpiece that Nathan presented for Master Xehanort. And for that reason, the rival from Gold and Silver is clocking in at number eight on our list of the greatest Hell villains yeah. of all time. This is a bad list. This is even worse. This is worse. a fucking awesome list. <laughs> So as it stands, the definitive list of the best video game villains for the Press YYZ podcast is falling way outside. Uh, did I miss one? I'm only counting 15. Oh, I didn't hit new line. That's my bad. So falling outside our top 10, falling outside our top 10, <laughs> you have Revolver Ocelot, Mario from Donkey Kong Jr., Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. <laughs> Ares from God of War, Dutch from Red Dead, and Crazy Hand from Super Smash Brothers. And our definitive top 10 best villains is at number 10, Carmen Sandiego, which was Cozy's pick. At number 9, we have Master Xehanort, which was Nathan's. Sorry. At number 8, we have the rival from Pokemon Gold and Silver, which was Alex's. At number 7, we have Dark Link from The Legend of Zelda, AJ's pick. At number six, we have Your Friends When Playing Mario Kart, which was Cozy's. At number five, we have Handsome Jack from the Borderlands franchise. At number four, we have Tom Nook from Animal Crossing. Both of those were Nathan's picks. At number three, Balder from God of War, which was Alex's. At number two, GLaDOS from Portal, Nathan's pick. And the best villain of all time, as decided by you, the cast of press yyz is joker from the batman arkham series which was alex's pick Woo! i win in spirit so with that being said thank you to whoever's cursor is adding these things up for me i can't do math good aj uh i should have been keeping count <laughs> your your count is easy yeah number one number one again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is golf rules, right? Lowest points win. That's how, yeah. Lowest on the list. 
Yeah. So uh, as things fall, as things fall in fourth place, we have AJ, obviously. In third, we've got Cozy. In second, we've got Alex. And winning today's game of five by five, named TBD, is Nathan. Beginner's luck. You know, congratulations to Nathan. I will be very cordial, but I'm looking forward to hosting because I think he'll do an okay job. Yeah, as I was saying, you know, congratulations on the win. And, um, you know, I hope you look forward to hosting the show next time. Um, I can say from experience that you're not going to enjoy it uh, after the fact because then everyone's going to be really pissed off at you and they're going to try to screw you over the next time you play. Cozy, I I liked your picks. Unfortunately, the other ones just (laughs) pushed them out of the way. What can I say? Are you sure about that? There was no color to your opinions? No color to your opinions at all? No, I, I, I legitimately did. Other than, other than the diehard argument, there was no color to my opinions whatsoever. You brought So there Carmen, was a brought, bit of color to you your arguments. You brought Carmen Sandiego and Mario to a villain fight. All right, everybody. You've been listening to the YYZ Podcast. I'm Alexander Kazina. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Kozina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A, and also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash CozyBearLive, K-O-Z-I-B-A-R-L-I-V-E, which I'm about to go on live right now, which is why I'm trying to speed things up here. Sorry. The rest of you, nah, that's not a problem. It's okay. Uh, I'm Mr. Mitch George on all the socials, Turkey Trauma, based on the earlier story on uh, PSN and Xbox Live. And if you want to follow anything that Kind of Funny Toronto is doing, you can find us on Facebook at Kind of Funny Toronto or on Twitter at Kind of Funny T.O. And I am on Twitter, blatantly Alex, or blatantly underscore Alex, and on Instagram, just blatantly Alex. I am the underscore NMAC, N-M-A-C, on all the socials and my PSN. Please check out my work on ps4blog.net where I do reviews um, and they're posted. I am at Times Hero on pretty well all the things. Check me out. Great. And until next time. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out a good, a better outro phrase. Yeah, until next time. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs> right. until, until next time. I love you.